This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, episode one, two, three, getting to the point. It's out of control, and there's nothing I can do now, out of control. Spinning softly through the blue now It's out of control Getting to the Point is a third track on Balance of Power. In a 1986 issue of Soundcheck, Jeff Lynne said, There was a point where I'd been working on another song, which I couldn't get right at all, and it was driving me mad. I think that's when I came up with the set of words to Getting to the Point. It was probably frustration. I didn't feel good at the time, and it was supposed to be a sad song. But it's nice to have different atmospheres on the songs, and I think that's because they were so instant. I didn't have time to go home and brood over the words and say, oh, I'll put that in there, in this and that. With being more instant, they're probably more honest. On the June 2001 BBC Two radio show, Mr. Blue Sky, The Jeff Lynn Story, Jeff said, The song I really like, Off Balance of Power, is getting to the point, even though I'd used tons of reverb on it and slap echoes and all sorts of gear. I wouldn't have recorded it like that now, but at the time, I'd sort of lost me way for a bit, and I'd had enough. And I think that sort of sums it up. There's a lot of sad songs on there. From a February 8th, 1986 review in Sounds, E.L. No, Hang the DJ, Garrow the Guitarist, Burn the Vinyl. In the liner notes for the 1995 compilation Strange Magic, the best of Electric Light Orchestra, Ira Robbins wrote, Songs like So Serious and Getting to the Point could be ruining the loss of a romance, but both are indicative of Lynn's feelings about the group that had been the focus of his musical life for so many years. I guess we've really been out of touch, he sings in the former. The latter he mourns, it's getting to the point of no return, and all that I can do is stand and watch it burn. In the August 2015 article, Jeff Lynn Electric Light Orchestra Before and After, John Vanderkeest wrote, The final single from Balance of Power, the ballad Getting to the Point, a self-explanatory title if there ever was one. But it was an inglorious conclusion to what had once been such a consistent chart career in Britain. So, this is goodbye. Hi, I'm Eric Winsenson. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And so I sat down to listen to this song and, well, started playing a little bit, but then I got distracted because one of my cats was playing with its mice. With one of the toy mice. Okay. So I just started looking at it and, well, did you know that the capital of toy mice production in the world is Lumbago, Minnesota? Uh, oddly enough, I do not have any toy mice around here since I don't have a cat. So okay. I, I missed that. Well, yeah. they make a whole lot out of different mice and everything. Some of them are kind of wood frames. Some are recycled paper mm-hmm. with the felt and everything over them. Some of them you actually have a little metal skeleton. 
The, but um, they have an entire documentary on YouTube that just talks about toy mice production. And then, of course, looking up Lumbago, which I never knew was an actual town in Minnesota, they are the home of the largest hermetic gopher mm-hmm. population in the United States. Right. Are you going to get to the point? Yes. Well, the hermetic gopher is, is able no, to live no, see, for at least two years in no, a mason jar before see, coming see, out to mate. No, no. See, that's, that's, that's not the point I was talking about. Oh. Okay. Well... The point that I was trying to make is that when they come out to mate, they catch them, and then they use their livers to stretch out and use in speakers. And so I realized that the speakers I was listening to, the song on, used hermetic gopher livers as the membrane. Okay. And that made the song sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like, <laughs> when I started this podcast and, and laid down the rules about staying on topic? You mean getting to the point? And getting to the point? You you might want to start doing that right about now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the song. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the point is... (laughs) No, the point is that... I was so prepared to hate this album. (laughs) (laughs) I was so prepared to hate everything off of this album. I was thinking this is going to be the most (laughs) hollow-sounding... thing especially you look at the cover and you look at there's like three guys left in the band really Mm -hmm. Ah, and it's okay this is just going to be let's bang it out and get it over with like eric paul's always said and (laughs) even though i was thinking calling america is good but yeah that that, there's lots of albums with just one good song so so far we got three good songs getting to the point doesn't sound at all like electric light orchestra it once again sounds like jeff lynn producing something for somebody else or maybe a solo record for himself, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it is a really good song, which, from what I understand, got cheated out of being a hit single because of a boycott, at least in the UK, against CBS and Sony and Epic because they're not boycotting South Africa at the time, which the apartheid situation was still going on. So this got kind of short-changed. I don't know if it ever even made it over to the states at all or got any airplay but i'm surprised that it didn't because it's as you want if you want a single that's actually going to catch 1986 this is even better than calling america at least it would have gone under the adult contemporary stations and everything by the way excellent saxophone solo in this too so they made it sound like it's not a yellow is that saxophone but i'll forgive that because whoever they hired for the session on that did a good job Uh, yeah, that was uh, something weird about the song when I first heard it. It was uh, sometime in fall 85, and I had made my way through the entire ELO discography since June or July 1983. And I'd heard them all, B-sides and, and everything. And in late 85, it, it occurred to me, there's never been a saxophone on an ELO song. And it just seemed kind of odd to me, because just about like almost every rock band at least ones that have had a long discography and a long career like ELO, they've had saxophones somewhere in there, either a solo or backup or whatever. And I just thought, huh, ELO's never used a saxophone. And I couldn't picture a saxophone in an ELO song. It just doesn't really seem to fit in the ELO style. And then I get Balance of Power in January 1986, and this comes on as, does Jeff have a, have a, have a chip in my head that 
reads my thoughts or monitors my phone calls to my friends? Because there it is, right there, in an ELO song, a saxophone. As for the song, you know, the last two, I was kind of like, all right, let's uh, listen to Heaven Only Knows and So Serious. I'll just do this. <laughs> and then at the end, it's like, oh, I guess I like these songs now. As for getting to the point, my opinion never really changed about this song. I always liked it. For this time period, I'm going to say for this album, it is swoon-worthy ELO ballad material. I think if this had been done earlier, I think if you put in a real orchestra, add some choir behind it, some kind of stuff behind it, I think it could be definitely up on the high list of swooniest of ELO ballads. I think maybe on a level of Need Her Love or Don't Walk Away. Even though I've spent 35... I don't want to think about it. A long time in my head and publicly. Oh, Balance of Power. This has always been the ones, one of the few songs on it that I've been like, see, that one was good. I like that one. I was expecting you to talk about how it was way too pop and way too <laughs> this and way too that. And, I mean, it sounds like something I would have bought if I saw it sitting there in 1986 and if I had heard it on the radio. It's something that would definitely have been in my collection, at least as a 45, because it's something I would have listened to back then, even though I was listening to all the prog stuff and everything back then to a weird kid. But... <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> But it's still not out of the range of what I would have been listening to at 14 years of age. What was I? Uh, Summer 86. I was 17. And it sounds like a song that really should have been a hit, and I don't know what type of circumstances went against it. I mean... It was the distribution issues with the record company and the protests, and I guess they were, I think I saw something about a strike. So that hurts what really... Cause you, it was tough to find the single, since it really wasn't distributed very well because of all the issues going on. Because this really should have had the airplay and had a lot more notice, and I mean, still don't think Electric Light Orchestra would have went any further than <laughs> this at that point, because there was a whole bunch of internal issues yeah. that had nothing to do with their popularity or anything like that. This probably would have been a good lead-off to a Jeff Lynn solo mm-hmm. career, but of course Lynn did a lot better just going into the production yeah. end of it here. But no, I, I really like it, and if there's ever a list of singles that were overlooked in the 80s, this should be right on that top 10. Yeah, and I think it's really fitting that this was the last ELO single, released chronologically anyway, with the remaining husk of the original ELO of Lynn Bevan Tandy. I used to think it's about a breakup. It's falling apart. There's nothing we can do to stop this. It's just, it's ending. And then I got Afterglow in October 1990 and read the liner notes. The person wrote about getting to the point, not so much as a romance ending, but it can definitely be read as Jeff Lynn's breakup with ELO. Like, this is it. It's, I, I've, I've lost the passion. I'm not feeling it anymore. There's nothing I can really do to stop it. I'm just going to have to watch the spaceship burn 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 it's the end of elo it's ending and i'm we're gonna have to go our separate ways now
that's a perfect final single for ELO. I pretty much agree with that. Yeah. And I think, I could be wrong, but would this be the first ELO power ballad? Yeah, it's got that huge big chorus and everything like that. I mean, you could compare it to Chicago at the time, but it's better. It it is <laughs> it's so much better than than post than post satirist Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Chicago, well, no, I think they were still touring with him at that point. Eighty six, he had left. He was doing solo stuff and making records with oh, Amy yeah, Grant. Oh yeah, that's Glory of Love was that year. Yeah, because I was wondering if they were still touring on the fumes of seventeen. <laughs> at <laughs> that point, no. Um, yeah, no, they were preparing for 18 with the most nasally lead singer they ever had. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Yellow's done lots of fantastic ballads, but I don't think they had the what I consider to be the uh, a mark of a power ballad where they get the drums that just bang through it, not just play nicely with the music. And then there's an instrumental break that just is screaming whatever instrument you're using. Most of the time it's guitar. In this case, it's saxophone. And it, as Jeff does with just about everything... Pulls it off really, really well to make a really great song. And one other thing that you just mentioned there, drums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There are drums. Mm-hmm. Bev Bevan gets to do something, and he does it really well. Yes. Of course he does. Got something to say about getting to the point? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. It's time for a great line from ELO from this week's song. What's my line? It's out of control. And there's nothing I can do now. Out of control. Spinning something through the blue now. It's getting to the point. Getting to the point! Was it a hit or was it... Getting to the Point was the third single from the 1986 album Balance of Power, released in July 11, 1986 in the UK. The B-side was Secret Lies. The song got up to number 97 on the UK singles chart. The 12-inch version also had Secret Lies, but also had an ELO Mega Mix, consisting of ELO History with a drum loop. Due to a strike at Epic and its distribution center, as well as boycotts against Epic and CBS, due to them not pulling their support of the South African apartheid government at the time, there was a major problem with the distribution of the single, causing it to not do as well as probably some had hoped. The song was covered by Scott Lindley on his 2001 album Live the Dream and by Mark Bram on the 2006 album Topaz Rarities. Good day, y'all. It's me, Don O. And here's my little rant on getting to the point. Well, here's when things get interesting for good for ill. Despite all the doom and gloom you have, and we'll continue to hear about this album in this podcast, I'll have to be the one to mention that this track is the most ELO-ish sounding track. It does contain a little of that Moog pixie dust, the strings, albeit digitally fake, and Jeff's crazy background vocals, providing little pieces of that old elaborate sound. 
Then comes the sax solo that breaks things down into little pieces. All that wonderful extravagance that ELO fans have loved even through the so-called disco phase is turned asunder. And it isn't even the fact that a saxophone shows up at all, but the bland solo itself. Sure, this cliche might have worked with, I don't know, Celine Dion, Kenny G, if he had enough balls to play a bigger horn, and whatever is clogging the light jazz, the middle-of-the-road radioscape during this period, but thrown in here, it sounds forced, a wonder-down template on a special band with a special sound. Yeah, you might as well add this band to the list of 70s bands trying to navigate through a new decade and era at this point, and this transitional track is the blinding example. Any doubts how Jeff was feeling at the time? And now, Eric and Eric go under the covers. I have Viagra, now come sit on Daddy's lap. The Jeff Lynn database says there are two cover versions of Getting to the Point. And first up, we will suffer through Scott Lindley. It's on his 20-01 album, Live the Dream. It's out of control And there's nothing I can do now It's getting to the point It's out of control Nothing I can do Like a fire that keeps on burning Nobody yeah, you you want to go first? I'm, I might need some time to recover here. Yeah, well, number one, <laughs> we were just discussing how we feel about people who say, live in the dream, when you ask them how they are. Mm-hmm. It's always some guy who's over 40. <laughs> Probably has to be wearing Crocs. Mm-hmm. And probably still thinks he uh, is going to be cool if he goes back to say hi to his fraternity. Yeah, I'm going to say he's one of the early contestants in American Idol. One of the ones where you see the judges kind of hide their Snickers or facepalm or whatever and try and usher him out of the contest nicely. Well, that would be actually what I'd probably end up doing with Mr. Lindley. <laughs> yeah. Um, it has good production on it. He was able to gather together a good session team and probably able to hire a good studio and everything. I, it's the voice, especially when it comes to where it's supposed to be background. You can hire everybody else, ah, but the whole big chorus point where you got the whole background in the original song of... It sounds like he dubbed himself in and as a falsetto. It's I, I'm pretty sure that's not another person. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure that's him doing a falsetto. And at that particular point, I can forgive the voice a little bit in the beginning. <laughs> but at that point, it's, oh, no. Uh, mm. no, 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 no. I mean, do you at least have a girlfriend or <laughs> or somebody that can sing or <laughs> some girl at work you're trying to impress by uh, showing her, guess what? I got time in a studio. You want to come and sing? Before she fr- puts you right back in the friend zone, you at least got a good vocal performance out of her. Who knows? That may have been the whole reason why this was done. I think you're giving a lot of credit to Mr. Lindley when you say he hired a band. To me, this sounds like this is probably all him. 
just all overdubbed. It's possible. It is possible. It's, I mean, the music sounds stiff, almost like it was pulled from computer files. Or he just plugged in his keyboard, he got the sheet music and played along with it. His voice is like a dull thud in my ears. Yeah, the backing vocals, that's, that's all him, which also is not good. And the thing I think that hurt the most about this awful abuse here was at the end where Jeff Lynn sings and then you hear Scott Lindley do it and it's just oh don't stop ow that hurts it's like he just took the song and just stomped on it with his foot it's like ah you should not have done that yeah, he does replace the saxophone part with guitar. However, you're right, stiff. It's like, okay, I got the notes down. <laughs> and now I'm going to do this. Now, I, I know, I'm going to get some hell because, yeah, I don't really play any instruments. I know that. <laughs> but I also know that if I did play instruments, and to the point where I can rudimentary play them, I know that by the time I go in and pay money <laughs> in a studio, now I, I don't know if he's doing this in his garage or not, by the 2000s sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah. If you got the right equipment, you can, you can pretty much sound decent in your own garage. But, but if you're paying time for a studio, you don't just have the rudimentary part down. Unless you're Jeff Lynne playing drums. That wacky yeah. shot at Jeff Lynn in there. Yeah. Well, that's one of our main complaints. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, by that point, you should be basically to the point where if you make any mistakes, it's just simply because it was a regular mistake. It's not because you don't know what you're doing at that point. You're not sight reading. You, you've practiced this song at least a couple hundred times. <laughs> you've annoyed your entire family playing <laughs> that riff over and over again for the last month. And you know what you're doing. And you're right. It sounds like anything that he's doing is a sight reading, including singing. Sounds like he's got the words in front of him. Yeah. But I guess Mr. Lindley's probably a halfway decent guitar player. But it sounds like he's very boxed in trying to hit the notes that the saxophone was hitting. Mm. Rather than, you know what? I can't play saxophone. I think I'll kind of do what they did. But I'll just throw in my own little thing because I know a lot of guitarists would have just said, screw it. I'm going to make it sound like it was, but I'm throwing in what I want to do. Right. Practice it and get it ready and record. Yeah, okay, we're done. Now maybe I can impress yeah. the pretty lady in accounting that I've had my eye on. I make music. Yes. Listen to me. That was yeah. nice. I'm going to transfer to another country. So the other version we got is by Topaz. At least that's what is listed here on the Jeff Lynn database on the album Topaz Rarities from 20-06. It's out of control And there's nothing I can do now And look beyond these walls As the meaning starts to dawn It's getting too bright It's out of control There's nothing I Well, 
Mark Bram, actually. And I guess he was in a band called Ruby Topaz. Oh, okay. And this guy looks like Splice of Meatloaf and Tiny Tim. <laughs> he does. He really does. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, his voice is not that. <laughs> Luckily, his voice is more Meatloaf. <laughs> but, uh, I... It's... The voice on both of these, I, I did not like him. This guy, Topaz uh, Brahm, whatever he is, I think he borders Axl Rose through a lot of this, and I cannot stand Axl Rose's voice. The music is better than on Scott's version. At least there's a band here. You know, at first I'm like, eh. But as the song went on, I was like, eh, okay, the music's not so bad. But that that voice, I, I can't... I, I, I'm glad I'm only going to listen to it just to uh, review it for our uh, expanded episode and never have to hear it again. Actually, there's not a band. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, this was all Bram playing everything, which makes my point yeah. <laughs> even stronger about Scott Lindley's version, especially if Lindley had a band or he was playing it all himself. Bram does it much better all by himself, and it still sounds a little bit like a demo recording. It, I could see where it would need a little bit of polish, mm-hmm. but I actually like his voice. Yeah, but you like Guns N' Roses. That's true. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but his voice has a lot more power behind it. It sounds like he actually knows the song mm-hmm. and loves the song. Yes. And he's singing it because it's an actual song that he likes. I looked up his album that this is off of, and I guess it's got a version of 25 or 6 to 4 but right before it. Hmm. So I'm wondering what that sounds like. But <laughs> um, by the looks of it, I was expecting it to be actually a harder rocks version of it than it was. Yes, especially by the little elf-looking lead singer. Yeah. I guess his own, he, his own band. To me, he's got a good voice, and he does the song justice, because it sounds like he's gone, hey, look at this little gem I found that nobody else knows about. I'm going to cover this because I love this song. And it impressed me so much more than the other version did, just simply because it sounds like a fan making a version rather than, huh, look at the sheet music I found. Yeah, yeah, if people are going to say, oh yeah, well, what about you? Scott Lindley reminds me of a version that I would do if I could play the piano. And I know <laughs> that my version would have been awful, which is why I never did it. So I can speak from awful music-making experience. Uh, me and Scott Lindley, I think we're on the same level of... Oy. That is one way I do judge a lot of music. If I think to myself, I can do that, then I know there's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Because I suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm barely approach passable with the kind of music I've done. So there I'm good at sampling and putting stuff together and weird samples and stuff like that. And I do consider that music. And I know that there's some people who have debates on that. Yeah. But that doesn't I'm, mean I would ever do an yellow song. <laughs> both of these were torture for me to get through. Topaz was a little bit better for me than Scott. But uh, yellow has the far superior version of oh definitely of yeah yeah there's there's no question whose version is better and that's definitely electric light orchestra in this case oh there's mine well hello this is troy with some thoughts on getting to the point as i mentioned in the last episode I have come to the conclusion that So Serious and Getting to the Point 
could be seen as part one and part two of the same breakup story. So Serious Chronicles Part 1, where you can't accept that it's over, and you try everything you can, in vain of course, to try to get it back to where it was. Well, getting to the point represents Part 2. The moment that inevitably happens, you try to stop it, you try to stall it, but eventually, reality slaps you in the face, grabs you by the nads, kicks you in the butt, and you realize, oh my god. It's over. And I think the opening words of this song illustrate that in a very profound way. It's out of control. And there's nothing I can do now. I tried everything, but no, it is over. I can't do anything. And it's getting to the point of no return. And all that I can do is say I'm sorry, but I've already tried that. So all that I can do is stand and watch it burn, burn, burn. What a punch in the gut. And if you've ever been in a romantic relationship that hasn't worked out, or if you've been through a divorce, then you can understand this song perfectly. But maybe you haven't been in that type of situation. I think it can apply to a lot of situations like the end of a job that you loved, but somehow they decided they didn't need you anymore, or you decided you needed to quit to move on. But you get that feeling, oh no, I've devoted several years of my life to this, or the end of a friendship, the death of a beloved family member. So much is encapsulated in this song. If you read Jeff's liner notes on the special edition or on flashback, he's very vague. He says, I used more reverb on this song than any other. But Bev Bevan, if I recall, does say in the liner notes to Afterglow that the song was about the breakup of the band. And I could see that. Well, I better go talk to you next week. This has been A Thought from Troy. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I got a boo-boo on my thumb. What's your A bad boo-boo. Anyway, I did like the song. I danced to it. I was super happy. Hmm. Eric is telling me what not to do. I'm just hugging the microphone. I'm holding. I'm just hugging the microphone. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's being a jerk. Anyway, bye. Um. Wow, she liked it! Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 124, Secret Lives. <laughs>